Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 4 through 7a, the book of James, chapter 2, verse 1 through 17, the gospel according to Mark, chapter 7, verse 24 through 37, and Psalm 146. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We have a tendency to think that Jesus liked poor people. We have a tendency to talk about how Jesus had a special heart for the poor, how Jesus looked out for the poor. We have a tendency to sort of talk about how Jesus was able to be among people that were not like him and sort of model ourselves after that and say, well, we could be among the poor and love the poor the way Jesus does. And I I just want us to be clear that that's fundamentally false. It's fundamentally false for us to think that Jesus loved the poor. Jesus was poor. Jesus wasn't a rich person who decided to like poor people. He was poor. Jesus was not a a person in the middle of society who chose to hang out with the people who were marginalized. Jesus was marginalized. Jesus was not a person in the middle of great privilege and wealth who just decided that it was cool to hang out with people who were on on the edges of society. Jesus belonged on the edge of society. It took me years, years of, of, of studying to actually understand this because it's never, it hadn't been said to me, at least not regularly. Last year we did a book study uh, by Howard Thurman and the book was called Jesus and the Disinherited. It was the second time I'd read the book and apparently the first time I read it, I still hadn't figured it out. It took me till the second time and it's in the very first chapter of the book. Howard Thurman says, Jesus isn't hanging out among the disinherited of the world. Jesus is the disinherited of the world. When God shows up and joins God's self with humanity in perfect union in Jesus Christ, God chooses to be a human who doesn't hang out with all sorts of people, or just hang out with people who are not in the highest rungs of society. Chooses to be one of those people and live life in true and utter connection and solidarity. I find that important for stories that we hear today, like today. Because if we're not careful, we think Jesus sounds like a bit of a snobby jerk. How dare he call a woman a dog? I would hope Jesus would never speak to me like that. Not to mention, he could have just healed a guy's deafness, but he spits in the ground and turns it into mud and shoves the mud in the guy's ears? Or mouth, it's in his mouth, he can't speak, he shoves it in his mouth. I hope God never heals me like that. Could he heal me in a more genteel way? 
I'm more of a gentle person. Maybe when I come to God for healing, God could treat me a little bit better than Jesus treated the Syrophoenician woman or the man who couldn't speak. The Decapolis, by the way, both of these places are places where the people are Gentiles. And so we sometimes get caught in the trap of believing that this is a story about the Jews as insiders and Gentiles as outsiders. And Jesus is the insider and the Gentiles are the outsiders. And look, we should treat outsiders well, the way Jesus heals outsiders. Except here, Jesus is kind of rough and tumble. We go, hold on, does that mean I get to be condescending too? As long as I'm doing good things, maybe I can be condescending too. That's why it's so important for us to understand Jesus, who Jesus is, in the context of his stories, in the context of his life. Who is Jesus in the real world? Not just who is Jesus in our heads or where does Jesus make us comfortable. Who is Jesus in the real world? In these stories, Jesus is an itinerant, poor Jew hanging out in foreign lands where he is in danger. And the Gentiles who walk up to him present a risk, a danger. This woman who comes up to him asking for help, Jesus is the homeless man, and she is a member of the country club. And he is on the country club grounds, just hoping not to be noticed. And all of a sudden, a woman comes up to him and starts shouting, do you think he's a little nervous? And then, She's not shouting at him to get off the property. That's a good start. And she hasn't called security yet. But she's been really nice to him. Oh, Lord, oh, Master, please help me. Shockingly, he's not super excited to talk to her. Shockingly, this conversation starts off rough. This term dogs is a pretty common uh, uh, slang term that, that Jews of that time would use for Gentiles. And we go, oh my gosh, again, that insider-outsider language. But the Syrophoenicians and those in Tyre and Sidon and those in the Decapolis were in urban areas who, by and large, were better off than the Jews of Galilee. They were of a higher socioeconomic class. This term that they're using for the Gentiles is a term that the disinherited the disempowered, used for those who are in power, those who know what it's like to have wealth and privilege. They have, shockingly, they have a bad name for them, and Jesus uses it. I get offended on behalf of the woman quite regularly. Well, I showed up, and I just want, I'm asking Jesus for help. Why would he speak so roughly to me? And that's when I need to start taking my cues. I need to pay attention and listen to the woman. I need to pay attention and listen to the woman in the story and not just come at the story with my own idea of how she needs to be taken care of. I should take my cues from her. Because do you know who's not offended by Jesus in this story? The woman. He says, well, why would we give food for the children to the dogs? And she doesn't say, how dare you speak to me that way? Do you know who I am? She doesn't do that. And she doesn't walk off in a huff. I'll go find a Messiah who treats me a little better. I'll go find someone who can cure my daughter and do it with a smile and treat me more gently. She looks at him and she says, oh yeah, 
I get it. But even dogs get the crumbs under the table, right, man? Jesus goes, all right. You get it. You get it. Her faith is not found in acting perfectly. Her faith is not found in whatever temple she normally worships at or in her circles. Her faith is found in her desperate desire to see her life and the life of her family transformed, which will take her into places she could not have imagined, even to a homeless Jew hanging out in her backyard. She will go to him and she will ask for help and she will drop to her knees and beg, which is completely out of any kind of, out of the ordinary and completely out of any kind of rule book of acceptable behavior between these two. Her desire for God to transform her life will take her out of her comfort zone and put her before God in places she could not imagine. Or the man that Jesus heals in the Decapolis in the second part of the story. He's going to allow this wandering homeless Jewish man to spit in his mouth? Does that sound offensive to you and disgusting? Good. That's the point. Because, friends, we're not the Jews in these stories. We're the Gentiles. I don't know if you, we recognize that all the time. We're not the people of Israel who are needing to learn about the outsider. In this story, we are the outsiders, or we are the people who are not like Jesus. We are the people who are not like Jesus and have no use for Jesus until we are desperate. We are the people who are not ready to take love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you seriously until we have no other choice. We are the people who are not ready to call Jesus Lord and throw ourselves at his feet and beg for help until we are utterly and completely out of options. We will exhaust every option we have in our playbook before we are willing to find Jesus in frightening places in our lives. The good news is the last year and a half has exhausted a lot of us enough that we can actually start to see God in those places. The good news is some of us are finally getting desperate enough to look outside of ourselves and seek help in places we could not imagine. And the good news always and ever is that Jesus heals. However offensively, however abrasively, however much we are shocked and confused by Jesus, we are also, if we stay near him, healed by Jesus. Think about all the things that you said you would never do prior to the pandemic. Some of you, when all of the online stuff came around and all of the Zoom and all of the rest came around, you said, yeah, no, nah, that'll be my kids. I'm just not even going to give it a shot. How many weeks of not getting to be together before you finally showed up at one of our Zoom Bible studies and said, I don't know how this thing works, but I'm going to give it a shot. How many of us waited 
thinking if I just hold out, things will get back to normal. And now, 18 months later, and here we all are, waiting still for our lives to make sense the way they used to make sense. Yeah. Jesus today is present and active and working in the world and healing. But the way that Jesus heals is sometimes very challenging to us. This is actually incredibly good news. I know we don't want it to be. I know we want Jesus to heal us in a way that's very comforting and very easy. I get that. We are all tired. We are all uncertain. It's a, it's a fearful time. I promise I know. But, but the reality is that it is fantastic news that Jesus is present in the impossible places. Otherwise, we'd only be able to see Jesus when things were perfect and ideal in the way we wanted. But the Jesus of today's Gospels is challenging to us. Where will we seek to find the face of the one who can save us? It's easy enough for us to see God's saving presence in all of the physicians and the nurses who are in the COVID units helping people, yeah? Can we see Jesus' loving and saving presence in the lives and the deaths of all of those who have gotten sick and died of COVID? Because they're, they're, they're dying way disproportionately in terms of wealth, income, social status. And as we've, we're trying to grasp onto today, where would Jesus be and where is Jesus now? We can see Jesus. We can see Jesus in heroic acts. We can see Jesus in heroic people. We can see Jesus in all sorts of places that make our hearts burst and fill with joy. Can we find Jesus in suffering? Can we see Jesus in people who are deeply downtrodden? Can we find Jesus on the margins of our lives and in the corners of our society? Not, by the way, just Jesus working to help those people. Can we see Jesus as one of those people? And if we can find God's presence there, are we desperate enough to be willing to be transformed, to be saved, to be healed by someone like that who is completely different from us, but in fact, one of our siblings, one of us. Jesus will save us. Jesus is saving us. It will not be on our terms. We may have to hear some things about ourselves we didn't like. We may get a little bit of spit and mud in our mouths. 
we may have to change the way we see this world if we're serious about seeing Jesus, Jesus present and working in it. We may have to change the way we see ourselves so that we're actually willing to ask Jesus for help. And we may have to see Jesus differently to be able to see Jesus when he shows up in our lives and to thank him and to follow him. We will be saved by the love that created all things. That is the story of us, it's true. It's gonna be a bumpy ride, but we are in it together. And Jesus is with it, with us in it through all of the things we experience in this world and in all of the places we go.